This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. That's why we will never be taken seriously. <laughs> I can just see Rich Hagen sitting down with Jay Bush. <laughs> Well, I've got a story for you, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by ManorDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mice they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. Anything that costs a shit ton of mana, you're just like, bang! And they're like, fuck. How does that go? Bang! Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Jay Boosh. And that's like the hyper angle. I never want to play in another GP again. I, want to, I never, ever want to play in another GP. Jeremy. And you're the reason I play Magic today. I'm like, I just like, I died. I died. I was like, like just melting on the inside like that. I have inspired this kid to play Magic. And Matt. So I'm having this conversation with this guy in Chile about my deck. And then I'm getting pizza from a guy in Canada. Like, magic is fucking weird. And now, the A-Team. It's Brittany, bitch. Oh! Who's back? It's Jay Bush. <laughs> and then, maybe get Kyle to add in some cool graphics. A laser show. And then fucking, boom! Jay Bush pops out from under the stage. What's up, bitches? And then the crowd goes, well, <sighs> And, uh, yeah, that's how I would start the show. It was up to me. So, whenever you guys are ready. I mean, it's like... I hope that that actually is the start of the show. <laughs> I, so. I really don't want anything else aside from that. I thought that was the start of the yeah, show. me too. Uh, That's where I'm at. What's up? What's up, guys? Welcome it, welcome to the, uh, the A-Team. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a pretty good show. 289 episodes in. Um, we almost something. got it figured out, folks. Yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, I am Jay Boosh, the King of the North. I uh, am here with my friends KYT, Woo! and uh, he is—I don't know—he has some kind of fancy podcast. I'm like something about Rachel Mack or Mock. How do you say that? Mack? I I kind of I kind of like the way he's the alternate uh, the French way. Yeah, the French Mock? way. Mock. There's a U in there somewhere. All right, like M A Q U E. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, and then we got uh, Jeremy Schofield, level one judge, and also only Magic player on the Magic podcast. Uh, Hooray! Yeah, oh, right now, yeah. Play Magic. Um, yeah, woo, yeah. Magic is fun. Uh, so how are you guys? What are you guys? Been? I haven't talked to you in like fucking like a like what like at least a month. I think I've been on nights. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, outside of the uh, the new Wizards announcement with the whole social media thing, I don't think... Uh, oh, yeah. Did you guys... Got, I mean, that. I got a memo saying that I had to write down A-Team staff number one. I, <laughs> and then, But nobody else had to. What? 
What's going on? Yeah, when you tweet now, Jeremy, to make sure that people know that like you work for us, we can't change anything down the road because the FDA uh, or whatever FCC maybe regulations. You have to put 18 staff and then your number in there. What staff number? What number? I think you're probably number two. Like KYT said, he wanted to be number zero because I I'm zero. I claim number one, so he fucking snaked it. Which was <laughs> I'm zero. There's no way Jared's two. Well, Are we like? Is it like my order past- in like coming? Because yeah. like, wouldn't yeah. that make me number like five, six? Yeah, or six. But or like, no, no s- I was thinking like all the people on the show. Obviously, like you go by favorite, <laughs> right? So, so like. If Jer's not, Jer's gotta be like number two. If you're number zero and I'm number one, and then who else is even on this show? Dozer. Is there, is there four of us? When Dozer's eight? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> about right. That sounds about right. The snowman, we'll call him. Oh shit, that sounds really cool. He'll have no idea. We'll be like, what's up, snowman? Mr. Plow. Mr. Plow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like. Smitty's like number nine. <laughs> Medina's got to be number three for sure, right? You think who's more popular, Medina or Scotty? You think? Scotty. Really? Who's hotter? Oh no, no, more popular. Um, Sc- Scotty, but possibly Medina in his prime. But uh, I don't know. Scotty, yeah, Scotty went. Well, but... oh, actually, you know what? Both of them were pretty mainstream in their prime. Maybe Medina. Yeah. Yeah, prime, prime Medina against Prime Scotty is a is an interesting debate. Yeah, but I think right now it's still it's Scotty then. Yeah, it's got to be right, Scotty. Right. right. Okay, that's interesting. Like if Scotty had traded an iPad for power or right. cards or something, or traded yeah. for an iPad, then maybe it would have been different. Okay. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. We we can we can let our, our fans debate this, yeah, that's especially true. guys like Drew Wagner who's been here for like three hundred or close to three hundred episodes, yeah, or like or like Doug Totter even like he's been around <laughs> forever. I wonder, or like you know who's been around for fucking ever who I never give shout outs to because I didn't realize this guy's been listening to the show forever. It's my buddy Robbie in Calgary. He's like local guy. He's always up on what's going on. He's always like it's crazy. I didn't know he even listened to the show. Because uh, he didn't want to be a barnacle, so shout out to him. But I would like to know. I would like to know. Maybe I wouldn't like to know. Fuck, that's pretty. They might say mean things about me, but I would like to know who. What's their? What's everybody's order? What's your order about how the about how the 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 A team members stack up against each other? What's your? Yes. Oh, oh no! We want this is not going to end well. <laughs> yeah, I wanna. I wanna know kind of what the dealio is. Yeah, our egos need a sufficient boot, so please yeah. provide them. Yeah, I want to get so angry for the next show that I'm on. Why? We're going to get boots. Jay Bush is going to get a boost from this. No way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, because every time that we do one of these, no one no one shows up for the good, right? Like, like the it'll be the people that just complain about every episode. They're, they're the ones that do comments, right? The people that like the show are always like, oh, I love the show. I'm just way too busy to tell them that and they probably know how famous they are it's like no we don't we don't know <laughs> so you gotta you gotta send love too you can't just send hate in fact only send love should be the message actually <laughs> 18 lives matter That's um yeah i'd like to know what's yours what well i guess is that we can't really ask that can we 
No, I don't that's, think so. That's unfair. That's what are we yeah. asking? I was going to say, like, we could do it, but that's unfair. That's no good. That's no good. So, uh, uh, Magic Podcast, but you probably, probably talk about some Magic content. Uh, Jeremy, won a PPTQ? Played in a PPTQ? Oh, I, I played in one, and I top-aided, and oh, it was wow. somewhat exciting, but... Fuck that... me, what was the format? Was it modern? It was modern. Oh, yeah, what'd you play? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Dredge. Oh, oh baby. That's yeah, the way that Magic was intended to be played. Yeah, yeah, non-interactive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Nice. So, okay, uh, so uh, give us the scoop. Where was it? Uh, it was at Warp 2, so my, my local stomping ground. And uh, I sat down, and the difference between this modern tournament and all the modern tournaments before it is that this was the first modern tournament that you could use uh, Eldritch Moon cards. Right. How did that go? What, what changed in the format? Uh, well. There was some anticipation that there could be, well, I don't know. Like, some people were thinking that Thalia might be a thing. Yeah, uh, she seems th- pretty powerful. Yeah, the new Thalia. So there's some, like, people saying that they might see that. I honestly wasn't anticipating seeing pretty much anything. Okay. Uh, you know, maybe one of the big Emerge guys. I don't know. Like, the, the top four guy seems pretty good. Uh, whatever his name is, Elder Deep Fiend. Um, also, the other guy that you could potentially see would be something like the, uh, Counterspell, uh, Spirit guy. Yeah, the, the Flash guy that, like, that, like, O-rings a, O-rings a spell. A spell, yeah. Yeah. So, I was thinking, like, you know, one of these couple cards could come up. And one of the cards that I had been talking about and considering, um, obviously one of them is Haunted Dead, and I did not decide to go down the route. I didn't go the aggressive, I didn't play Dredgevine. So I had some sorry, Haunted Dead. Haunted Dead? Haunted Dead is a new zombie. It's an uncommon. It's uh, oh. three and a black. It's a zombie. When it enters the battlefield, you put a 1-1 one, one white spirit uh, token into play with flying. Okay. And it's a 2-2. Two, two. But yep. the other thing that it does is for one and a black, you can discard two cards and return it from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Ooh. <coughs> and then so when it comes into play, you get more spirits. Okay. Huh? When it comes into play, you get a spirit. Yeah, and it's a zombie, so I can use it to recur Gravecrawler. Right, right. So if I have no cards in hand and I'm just dredging, then it gives me a way to get the zombie engine going again. Yeah, okay. Um, The fact that it gives me a flyer is really cool because in Infect, that's one of their lines of attack. Like, if they're not going down the unblockable blue dude, then the other way that they're usually beating the crap out of me is they're just going with an Ink Moth Nexus and pumping it up. So the fact that I can at instant speed get a flying blocker into play is kind of a big deal. So right, ooh yeah, I like that. You know, so there's there's that aspect to it. Does so your, I really want to dead. Does your dredge deck does does dredge take advantage of like madness at all? Um, so my dredge vine deck, I do play big game hunter in it. In my sideboard, yeah. But for the most part, no, it does not take advantage of madness. Okay. Um, now that's in the dredge line. The dredge that I've been playing right now is I've been playing more of a uh, more of a mid rangey controly dredge compared to dredgevine. Dredgevine is an aggressive deck. Um, if people are looking for a list, uh, the list that I'm on is like 73 of 75 of what uh, uh, someone on Star City Games just posted a playthrough with it today. Uh, let's see. Which would be Monday for those of you listening to it now on Thursday. Yeah, so yeah, Sam Black on 
on Monday, he's got a video of Dredge and Modern. I think we're like 73 or 75 uh, with that list. It's, it's uh, one main deck card and a couple uh, sideboard cards off. So the card that I went with in my main deck is I had been playing one Lightning Axe as a get the dredge game started and having the ability to kill something that could pose a problem. And what I did is I switched to one Collective Brutality after talking with uh, Mike, uh, my buddy at Warp 2, the manager there. Uh, it was a card that I had had some uh, fun success with at the pre-release. Um, that card is black and one, and it is one of the, uh, what is this mechanic called, KYT? Do you know what the new mechanic is that I'm thinking about? Delirium? Huh? Delirium? No, it's the one where it's like, it's a choose, it's a mode spell, like you choose. Oh, uh, no, Escalate? Escalate. Wow. What, still on top of his fucking game. Right. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. It? So it's, Jay, it's an Escalate Ed card. Frenic, bitch. Yeah. And it's the it's one where you can, like, discard a card to do the modes? Yeah, so this one here is discard to escalate. And yeah, sorcery, and it's uh, minus two, minus two a creature. It is a look at the other player's hand and take an instant or sorcery. And the other one is siphon soul. So, like, they lose two life and you gain two life. So I threw that in instead of lightning axe, thinking, like, this card could be really cool against some number of decks. Uh, again, I have a bit of a rough matchup against something like uh, Infect. So the fact that on my turn, I could take a shot at something, force my opponent to have to use a spell to protect that card. On top of that, I get to look at their hand and take away another pump spell. And then uh, the life gain is pretty much irrelevant, but that two points of damage could be important. Right? Two points of damage is still two points of damage. That's 10% of the job. Uh, but the big part to it is I get to discard cards. So I put that in. Um, I got to use it twice in the tournament. Uh, one of the times I was playing against Dredge, and this was a real great example of how it worked out. Uh, it was funny because there's a lot of people who, as much as I've been playing the deck at tournaments all month, they haven't had a chance to play against me or they're not very familiar with the deck. And the card that they always seem to forget exists is Conflagrate. Do you know what that card is, Jay? Fuck no. Okay, so it's from Time Spiral, and it's an XX red sorcery, and it does X damage divided any way that I want between players and creatures. It's like fireball. It's like a fireball, but I can direct the damage however I want, and I don't have to like pay any sort of like bonus things. It's like a, right, right, right. Okay. No, so it's just like you div- divvy the damage however you want. Right. Uh, What makes the card really powerful and why I would play it in Dredge is that it has a flashback. And the flashback is red, red, and then discard X cards. So if I've got five cards in hand, I can discard my hand, and I can do two, one, one, one to a bunch of creatures. And, like, wipe out a a bunch of creatures. So what'll happen is I'll start dredging, and my opponents will go wide, and I'll have a conflagrate in my yard, and I'll just (coughs) dredge back like a life from the loam, cast it to draw a couple cards, have, you know, four mana, and then be able to do six points of damage however I want, and, you know, pretty much do a plague win, one side of Wrath. So, I, uh, I fire off one of them early on in game two, I kill off a scavenging ooze, things are going good for me, uh, play the game out and, and take the game down. So, game three, I'm playing against my opponent, and I draw correct, uh, uh, Collective Brutality in my opening hand. 
So I have uh, a fairly successful start because I have the ins uh, insolent uh, neonate in my opening hand, and I've got a uh, Golgari Grave Troll. So it's my turn one. I drop down the insolent neonate, and on my opponent's uh, second turn, on his uh, his main phase, his second main, I sacrifice or discard the the Grave Troll and sacrifice the neonate. I dredge back. Uh, the Golgari Grave Troll, I managed to hit a Narcomoeba and a prized uh, Amalgam. So I'm able to have both of them in play at the end of his turn. Come back to my turn, I've got four power on the board. Things are looking pretty good. Uh, I managed to do a Dredge and follow it up with a Tormented Voice. So I'm able to discard uh, another guy and Dredge back a whole bunch of stuff. So I get a Conflagrate in my yard. I find uh, two more prized Amalgams, uh, Narcomoeba and a blood gas, so I get the blood gas out, and I've got this massive army, and it's, like, looking really good. Just going off. Just going off. So my opponent, he sits there, and he kind of goes in the tank, and he sits there on his turn three. He plays a land. He casts uh, Scavenging News, and he correctly identifies that he's supposed to get rid of, um, that he's supposed to get rid of the, uh, the conflagrate in my yard. He doesn't need any of my creatures, but he, he eats that, because otherwise I've still got, like, five cards in my hand. And I'm just going to blow away his uh, scavenging news and start going to his teeth. So he doesn't have any mana open. He's got the scavenging news. He can start gaining a bunch of life. If he's got some removal in hand, I'm in a bad spot because he could potentially do something like, uh, you know, lightning bolt this or Liliana this, build up a couple creatures with the scavenging news. And then all of a sudden he's got a big blocker and he's gaining life and he's being able to start. Uh, killing my attackers and making them go away for good, which is a really big piece in how to beat Scavenger News, is that I have to do a lot of things to play around Scavenger News' ability to eat my stuff at instant speed. So, you know, blood gas become more important, keeping fetches becomes more important because I can, you know, try and fetch in response to him eating and make him waste his mana. So, he, yeah, he eats my conflagrate, and things are there. And this is, like, where the, the collective uh, brutality is awesome, because it's like, okay, on my turn, it's, I get to discard a Golgari Grave Troll and a Stinkweed Imp. I get to um, kill his scavenging news. I steal a Colgan's Command from his hand, and I put him to 10 so that on the next turn when I draw, uh, I get a couple blood gas out of my yard. When I play a land, they get haste also. So I'm able to just put him right down to one the next turn. Like, just, just disgusting. Right, in the face! Yeah, so the card was, like, really strong there. I had a game where it came up versus Affinity. Uh, when I played it against Affinity, <clears throat> it was another one of those cases where I was able to put him down to a lower life total. I didn't see any instance or anything from his hand, but I was able to see his hand. And sometimes seeing a person's hand is enough to know what you're supposed to do. Like, that's, that's information. Um, I got to discard some cards, and I got to kill off, uh, like, a random... Uh, I, I actually used it to kill a... Um, oh, my God, what is that stupid thing called? Arcbound Ravager. Which was fantastic, because he had to do all of his stuff with his Arcbound Ravager, put it on a creature, and I had a Ancient Grudge in the graveyard. So Ancient Grudge versus a board that has an Arcbound Ravager sucks, but the fact that I was able to get the Arcbound Ravager off the board and then just murder where he put the stuff to was fantastic. So the card is, the card's strong. I think as a one of, it's, it's enough to kind of fill in that spot of removal spell that is able to get me to discard cards. 
And the fact that the one mode on the card is for them to lose life and you gain life means that when you cast that card, you will always be able to discard at least one card. And I think that's important because if I wasn't able to discard a card with it, uh, I would have the opportunity for having a dead card. But say I'm playing against a control deck, that gives me the ability to cast it and either bait out a counter spell or something stupid or go into their hand and take something out. Like it gives me a playable card versus escape shift, which is kind of cool. You know, it's a way to have a main deck thing that's there to actually kill something, but there to help me discard cards and actually gives me ga- uh, some game in that spot. So uh, I'm really happy with it as an addition. I think one's fine for now, but I- I'd be interested to, to put a couple more in there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, aside from things, I uh, played out the tournament. Uh, we had, uh, uh, oh my goodness, Rob Smith, yeah. uh, GP. Portland champion. Yeah. Yeah. He, him and uh, Sean Gifford had come down or come up, I guess, for the tournament. So ran into Smith in the, the, in the uh, Swiss. Uh, had a really strong game versus him, even though he was playing uh, Green Red Tron, which I tend to have a bit of a problem with in the, the second games. Usually game one, I can get them. Uh, but they, if they slow me down at all, they uh, size me out pretty quick. And they have the ability to do some things that are just pretty much instant game losses. Uh, seeing an Ugin on the board pretty much kills the game, ends the game. Uh, there's a lot of ways that they can just shut you out of a game. So I was really happy that I was able to, to take that match. Uh, he ended up actually winning the tournament in the long run. Uh, when I did make top eight, I played against uh affinity i had mulligan to four and mulligan to five in two of the three games and that's pretty just, bad against affinity it is pretty bad and see game three game three i had i had a minor punt uh my opponent was still very far ahead and had i made the correct play they still would have been very far ahead but the difference between me not making the play and making the play was that my 10% chance to win. I'm just arbitrarily throwing numbers out of my ass. My 10% chance to win went to a 0% to win. Uh, and it was something as simple as I triggered an Archimeba off a of dredge. I had a prized algum in the graveyard. Um, the amalgam was supposed to come back at the end of turn. I forgot. Uh, I just forgot to put it into play. Yeah, forgot triggers. That happens quite a bit. Yeah, so it's a delayed trigger, and I forgot it. And yeah. forgetting it meant that I didn't have a blocker for the next turn. And if I was able to start chaining them, then maybe I could have slowed him down enough to get some stuff back into the game. But nope. Screwed up. Tilted off pretty hard. Um, I started like swearing to myself a little bit. And I didn't like that. I don't like doing that kind of stuff. So I had to kind of step away from it. And after the game was done, I had to step away and just kind of have a quick breath. And I even told my opponents, like, look, I just I need a I just need a moment. Uh, I just need to calm down. I'm not being a cool opponent. So I just need to Calm down. I didn't say anything mean to them. No, no, but no. I was just being That's toxic nice, at the table, which is kind of yeah. a shitty thing to do. So, yeah. So I yeah, was all said and done. I went to apologize, and he's like, "Hey, man, like you don't need to apologize. That's that's you know that's shitty. Like nobody wants to be the guy who beats the guy who mulled the five and four in the in the the top eight. Yeah. Uh, he ultimately lost in the finals, so that sucks. Yeah. But and you, he uh, lost the finals, mulling to five and mulling yeah. down low and. Yeah. Robert Smith's also just a hell of a magic player, so 
Yeah, so it's a hard matchup anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you did anybody play any cards against you that surprised you? I always find like the first tournament I play in out like after a new set comes out, somebody like plays something and I'm just like, holy fuck! Like, all right, I guess that's real. Ugh. So yes, in my first round, my first round, first round, second round, somewhere like that. Um. It's almost like we planned this out, Jay. That was a pretty good one. Well, so uh, I played against, I don't know if you've seen it, if you followed Modern at all or played Modern at all. It's not a deck that's been around. Well, it's been a deck that's been around. It's kind of a budget deck, but like you rarely see it at tournaments. And it's the Mono Green Aggro deck. I've heard of it for like ever, but I don't even know really what that is. Like, okay. I, anytime someone's playing Mono Green Aggro, I just assume that it's like casual. Like. It's not real, right? Yeah, it's uh. So the deck is it's running. It runs. Uh, Jesus, let's see. How do you how do you describe? Uh, so strangle root geist is that the name of the green card? Yeah, that, the uh, two one undying. Yeah, two, two one undying. Yeah, so that guy. So strangle root geist really to me me feels like the uh, the cheerleader of the deck. Okay. And what it is, is it's mono green. It runs uh, one drops like the 2-1 that whenever an instant or sorcery goes in the graveyard from anywhere, you exile it. Yeah. Uh, it runs uh, the evolve green guy whose name yeah. is uh, evolving one or something like that. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Um, experiment one, I think. Yeah. Experiment uh, one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it runs Stranglerud Geist, obviously. It runs Leatherback Bailiff, the 4-5 yeah. triple green guy. Um, he was running one of, uh, one of of the. Uh, uh, I think his name is Surik, one of the Dragon leader guys. Like five four for four. Yeah, five four for four, and if you have eight power, he gets he has, uh, haste. He gets or all your creatures yeah. get haste or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was running him. So I I I played against this deck a while back, and like the big thing about the deck is it plays that aspect card, that aspect pump spell where something gets plus X, plus X, where X is your devotion to green. Oh, yeah. So, like, the deck just kind of, like, steamrolls. It also runs, like, a play set of Rancors. So it just puts a whole bunch of dudes down on the board really early. It Rancors them up. It just pounds into your face, beats on you, beats on you, beats on you. And then it has the ability to kind of go up and over you really hard with this aspect card, where it's, like, like his creatures get through, and he's got... A giant yeah. that gives like plus five, plus five, or plus six, plus six. Does he have any like overruns or anything? Is that too slow? Uh, I don't think he's got any overruns. I think his overrun is, um, his, his overrun really just seemed like it was a aspect plus rancor. Right. Yeah. You know, he goes wide on you, and he goes very aggressive wide on you. So I'm playing against this deck, and it's just like, okay, like this is going to be difficult because game one he kept an opening hand that had three strangle root geists in it. Ugh. And my deck doesn't block very well, and my deck's fast, but it has to be lucky to be that fast. Right. So I'm trying to throw stuff in the way, and trying to throw stuff in the way, and it's all, like, just barely working out, and I am casting Stinkweed Imps to try and slow him down. He isn't getting into Rancor, so my life's going pretty good. And he gets a turn where it's, like, after his third... His third uh, Third strangle root geist, and I'm blo- blocking, blocking with uh, prized algums, and I'm blocking with stinkweed imps. He casts Surik. So Surik comes into me, pounds me down to a low number, 
And I think I'm at four, and I've got a couple blockers, and he's got a couple attackers. He's got like a brand new Strangle Root Geist, and he's got, I think, uh, the uh, Experiment one. And I'm sitting there, and it's like, okay, I think I've got it down. I've got two blockers. Like, I, I don't anticipate him drawing the fourth Strangle Root Geist. I think I've got it. And then that's when he plays Eldric Evolution. So that's a card from the new set. I don't know if you know what that one is. Uh, that's like, it's like pretty cool, right? It's like sack a thing to go find something that costs up to yeah. two more or something. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, so it's good it's, memory. It's like a food chain type thing. Yeah, that's like such a fucking super cool card. The foils are like fucking nine hundred dollars. Yeah, I was actually lucky because I bought three Korean boxes and I cracked a foil Korean one. Ugh. So. Uh, Rich but, richer. Um. Yeah, so I sat there, and it's like, holy crap. And I'm looking, and I'm like, are you getting another Zurich? Like, what are you getting? Yeah. And he's just like, oh, I'm just going to get another Strangle Root Geist. But the thing is, he was able to sack a Strangle Root, a strangle root Geist. To get a Strangle Have it come back as a 3-2. Yeah. And then also get another one, which is enough to just blow me out at that point. So it's like, that right. card became this really, really cool tool in his deck. Yeah. Because since cool. his deck pretty much caps out at four... He can sack almost anything. He has a fantastic sack target for it, and he can get whatever he needs as far as, like, his green hate cards and stuff. Like, I imagine that would be a fantastic tool against something like Infect because he could use it to search up a Malira or, you know, whatever he needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was a really cool use of that card. I didn't see anyone, any other cards used, though. Like, nothing... Nothing kind of came nuts. out of the woodwork on you. Uh, no, nothing, nothing else just from the new set. Like, nothing super surprising. Everything else was pretty much on case. The thing that was actually really surprising from the Dredge standpoint was how much that Dryad Militant, I think is its name, the 2-1 that exiles sorceries and stuff, yeah. how much of a beating that card was. Because when I Dredge, it exiles my instants and sorceries. Oh, yeah. So it gets rid of my... Uh, it gets rid of my Faithless Looting, so I can't power out with faithless looting it gets rid of my uh of my uh da, 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 really really popular card called life from the loam yeah that's which a pretty is, popular card yeah yeah pretty huge in the deck's ability to keep fighting uh it's very rare to play a game with that dredge deck and not cast life from the loam because it gives me the ability to uh bring back my blood gas it gives me the ability to fill my hand to conflagrate uh, since the Dryad Militant's getting rid of my Conflagrates, like, that's a real kick in the teeth. So, at one point, like, I actually have to draw Conflagrate and cast it for damage. It's not odd for me to cast Conflagrate that isn't Flashback. Like, I, one of my, my common turn one plays is just to cast Conflagrate for zero just to get it in my yard. Oh, wow, okay. Because it's a, it's, it's a legal, I can, I can cast it for zero. Yeah. Because I choose to do zero damage to zero targets targets yeah and then that sets me up for like a big discard turn like sometimes i'll do that and then just lightning axe a guy in the face for five damage just to dump my hand in the graveyard so that i can you know start bringing back blood gas and prized algums and stuff so the fact that he was able to take out my entire you know life from the loam uh faithless looting and conflagrate game made the deck seem way more fair and kind of crappy so I was really surprised just how much that work that little guy was doing. I had never considered it as a hate card. So, cool. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it sounds like you had a good time. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, we uh, we did a, a judge meeting right after the fact. So judge meeting consisted of going to the bar that had a Pokestop and oh, eating a bunch of food and getting a whole bunch of Pokemons and then going back to Warp to play some uh, Secret Hitler. Right on. Yeah. So can I can I ask you guys, like, a players who've played in a competitive tournament and kind of understand how missed triggers work, how you would feel about a specific missed trigger uh, situation? Yep. So just that came up at our thing. Uh, I know we have some judges that listen also, so I, I'd love to hear feedback. And this is a, uh, a Doug Potter uh, scenario. So we understand that with missing triggers, triggers don't actually have to be announced until they make an impact. So the most common example of this is you don't have to say that something got an exalted trigger. You just have to demonstrate when it's important that that exalted trigger had happened. So if you've got a Noble Hierarch and you attack with a 2-2, when they take damage, you say take three, and you've shown that that Exalted Trigger happened. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't have to demonstrate until... Yeah, you don't have to say attack for three, and you don't have to say attack, Exalted Trigger. No, you can just say attack. And then they're like, okay, yeah, I'll take it, and you say three points. Right, okay. Or if they say, like, okay, I take two, and you're like, no, you take three. Can Can then they stay... Can they can they say I'll take two, and then you say no exalted trigger it's three, and then can they say like takes these backseats? I don't think so. Wait, sorry, what was that? If I say I will take two, yeah. and then you say no, it's three because of the exalted trigger. Can I take these backseats? No, no. Okay, because I didn't. You say have I'll to be three. You have to be conscious two. of your opponent's triggers. Okay, and the the tough spot is is that. Since the player whose trigger it belongs to doesn't have to demonstrate until it's important, yeah, then uh, you're kind of stuck in a situation where you don't actually know if your opponent has missed said trigger. Yeah, that's what I mean. So like, you ask, and if you ask, you may remind them of the trigger. Yeah, like that's kind of that's why it's kind of stupid because like Exalted says when a creature <laughs> attacks alone. So then like. The trigger happens when they attack. So then, if, like, by the time damage happens, the trigger should be missed already. So then I should be able to say, I'll take two, you missed your exalted trigger. But then they go, oh, yeah, I did, but totally, whoop-de-doodle, it doesn't matter till damage, fuck yeah. Right. Well, if they say they missed their trigger, then they've demonstrated that they missed their trigger. Well, yeah. But I you mean, know, like, like it's, it's all about the demonstration. Like, you just have to... Yeah. You just have to say that you've done it when it's important. Yeah. A more recent card that's come up is uh, Audric. I've seen that people... Uh, yeah, I, I got a really cool that. Audric scenario also that we, we covered. So go ahead. Okay, so we'll go back to the, the topic at hand. We know how missed triggers work. Yeah. For everybody out there, I think you figured it out. You don't have to say anything until it's important. Yeah. So scenario is, uh, player has Reality Smasher. So we all know what Reality Smasher is. The big 5-5 trample crazy guy that whenever you target it with a spell, uh, it gets countered unless that player discards a card. Okay. So player, active player, the guy whose turn it is, attacks with Reality Smasher. Opponent says, path your Reality Smasher. Player with Reality Smasher knows how triggers work and says, all right, I pass priority. 
player who's sitting there goes, okay, yeah, me too, and puts his uh, Path to Exile into the graveyard. So player with Reality Smasher says, okay, so uh, take five. And he's like, no, 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 you're, I, I pathed your guy. And he's like, well, the, the trigger, you, you didn't discard the, the card. Right. right. So then the question is like, okay, they call Judge at this point. What's going on here? And I don't know if I told it exactly right. I'm sure Doug will let me know, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the gist of it, is that the active player, the guy who has the Reality Smasher, didn't announce their trigger until, like, didn't say anything with it until it was important. And that is the point where the, the stack was empty because he gets to put the trigger on the stack and then it's his turn, so it's his priority. So the whole thought was, they were asking the other judges, like, how would you rule this? And there was one judge who was just like, well, you missed your trigger. And the whole argument kind of went back and forth saying, like, well, what did I do to demonstrate that I missed my trigger? He said, well, you passed priority. And it's like, but you get priority after the trigger's on the stack. So we kind of debated back and forth, and we were thinking about it. And what would you think happens there, KYT? Man, that's a fucking... That's fucking confusing. Because he's saying... One of them is saying, like, past priority. But is he saying past priority on his trigger? Or is he saying past priority on the count... Or on the path? Where, so, like... Fuck. So, I, so here's... Think, I'm thinking, like, based on how, like... I think he just misses it. I think he does... He does, he does The path doesn't work, because you haven't... I feel like you have an option to not discard. I, I guess, like, I have no clue. This is where, like, I'm obviously calling a judge for this. Yeah. So here's what we came to, because we have a few, a few guidelines that we have to follow. So one of the guidelines I mentioned just previously is that when we're in a situation where we don't know if our opponent has, 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 has triggered the item, we have to assume that they did until they demonstrate that they did it. So you can't ever be in a situation where you look at that and you go, geez, do I, do I resolve the trigger or do I resolve this path? Because you have to assume that they've done it. Otherwise, you could get gotcha. Um, so why that's important is say, for instance, player with path has two cards in hand, only two cards in hand. And the other card is a path. And maybe they're getting attacked by multiple creatures so that they path the reality smasher and their opponent goes, okay, pass priority. Maybe they're thinking, oh, well, he forgot his trigger. And then they yeah. proceed to path something else. else. And right. then it comes into the situation where it's like, well, no, you countered because you didn't do that. That situation, that scenario is completely fine. So what we came to as a group is we decided at that point there that when the path went into the graveyard and the player said, well, no, the, it got countered to the trigger. The way that that trigger actually says is that the spell gets countered unless they discard a card. Which they so, didn't do. But they haven't been given the opportunity to do it. Because but you, you have to be aware of your opponent's triggers, you said. You do have to be aware of your opponent's triggers. But now that the opponent is demonstrating that that trigger's happening, you now have your opportunity to discard your card to it. So think of it... I, I, I hate saying this. It's always a terrible thing for a judge to say, but it also helps to do things a little bit more clean. Is Think of it like Magic Online. What would happen on Magic Online? So you would have the trigger go on the stack. Person would get priority. Other person would get priority. And then Magic Online would pop up to you and say, would you like to discard a card to Reality Smasher's trigger? 
and you get to discard a card or say no. Yeah, well, like the, funny the opponent. Thing- yeah, the opponent now is saying, okay, well, it got countered. And it's like, well, it got countered unless I discard a card. So that's where you give them the chance to discard a card. They don't have to do anything prerequisite to it being countered. They just have to do it or have it be countered. The thing that's really stupid about the entire process is that this could never happen on Magic Online because you can't forget your triggers on Magic Online. Absolutely. Which is ri- ridiculous that both that you play like quote-unquote competitive on both like platforms but they have different rules which actually is like a lot of people complain about that same with like how card interactions don't work so then like people will farm points or play lots of tournaments where where they like take advantage of like say uh, a certain card that doesn't work correctly online right yeah and then like people and it's like there's no repercussion for that it's like well how do you how do you how do you penalize somebody for like a built-in problem with your game that you made Right. Well, that, that's the thing is that on Magic Online, um, that scenario isn't as common as the argument is. So it has happened. It will probably happen again, but yeah. it's not all the time. Yeah, it, it really isn't all the time. And I think I'm not 100 percent sure, but I, I'm pretty sure that there has been at least one situation where Wizards has come out and essentially said, hey, if you play with this card, we know what you're up to. Yeah, yeah. And it hasn't happened very much. And when the game's broken, it sucks. It's stupid. And it happens. It does happen. I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen. But it doesn't actually happen that often. No, 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 no. It's just It hasn't impacted me. I've been playing online for a long time. Yeah. And I can only think of like two situations where I was actually impacted by a card just not working. So uh, there's that aspect to it, and I know that you can't miss it on there, but that's the difference between paper magic and yeah, online right. magic is that, and, and one of the, the things that we've talked about many times on the show is that you can't necessarily trust magic online to teach you how to play mechanically well because it takes care of it, holds your hand too much in those spots. Yeah, but that's sure. the thing is since it holds your hands in those spots, magic online is truly unforgiving. How many times have we heard of someone F6ing through their turn or misclicking and screwing up an entire line of play? Stuff yeah. where you'd go to put a card down, and you'd be like, oh, crap, you know, like, no, that's not what I wanted to do. Or, you know, you actually make your play as opposed to locking something in. Oh, you have the ability to... Yes, I mulligan to, versus yes, I keep. Yeah. And then you just, like, fucking mulligan your hand away, and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. So... so there's that whole thing of like you have a little bit of flexibility and that's the same thing as that how we would rule it as a group of judges is that we would do the exact same thing we would recognize that magic is not a got you game there's spots where people get got per se you know people try to get you to say things funny but it's all a matter of what is being done to draw advantage and everything like that i'm not anticipating that uh, the player with the Reality Smasher was trying to cheat, but what the player with the Reality Smasher is doing is they're giving their opponent every opportunity to do something stupid. Right. And the player didn't, and what ended up happening in the game was quite literally, well, no, the, the Reality Smasher goes to counter, or the Reality Smasher counters it, and then the player going, oh, well, I'll discard this card, and the person with the Reality Smasher saying, okay, good, okay, yeah, path resolves. You know, like, it, it was just one of those things that how we handle our missed triggers. 
And then I'm just going to go back to, because I always love talking about with missed triggers and everything like that. If you ever feel like you're getting screwed by the judges or the rulings or anything like that, uh, it's always important to differentiate forgetting a trigger and missing a trigger. It's much like Jay's example of how he was kind of going on the whole exalted thing of the person being like, oh yeah, well, no, it's actually three damage because of exalted. Uh, when that person attacked, they might have forgotten it. Yeah. But you always have to treat it like they're going to remember it, and you have to give them the opportunity to resolve it when it's most important. And I've seen it in many cases where something goes on the stack, then a whole bunch of crap happens, and then before anything else progresses, the person all of a sudden remembers that they have a trigger on the stack and resolves that trigger, and the other player is just like, well, he forgot. And you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the person forgot the trigger. Kind of sucks that they forgot the trigger. But just so long as they remember the trigger before it's important, then it's not a missed trigger. It's against the rules to miss a trigger. It's not against the rules to forget a trigger. So. Well, if you miss it after they've, or after they've already attacked and you've blocked, then, then you're fucked. Right? Exactly. Like, it's, it's just one of those things that just so long as they don't demonstrate that they've missed it, they can forget it all they want, just as long as they remember in time. Now, if they forget and they miss it, well, then that's a whole other story. But it's, it's wild where you'll see so many people forget a trigger and then remember it because it still hasn't been important. I do it a lot with prized algums. I will trigger them, then I will forget all about them, and then just as I'm about to go, I actually look down and see the prized, and I put them back onto the board. Like, I forgot about them. I forgot about the little guys being down there. But then I remembered, and I didn't miss. So I yeah, you're to... like, oh yeah, return them. <clears throat> and I love doing that. That's like a, a, one of my Alexander Hain strategies. Uh, I always refer to anything that's like psychological warfare. Whereas when I end my turn with prized, I love to say, oh yeah, and prized. To make it seem like I just remembered them. Just to try and, you know, get little right. daggers in. Right. To make it seem like I'm a, a, a forgetful luck sack or something. Hyperdurdle. Yeah, hyperdurdle. So yeah, there was that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was fun. Uh, the tournament was great at Warp. It was like 33 people, which was kind of a dagger because it meant we had to play extra rounds which sucked uh or an extra round uh, but it was fun magic uh there's a pokemon gym there so people were fighting for pokemons which was nice like i was saying people are getting out and walking around between rounds and stuff like that just to do the pokemon thing so it's good to see people being a little bit more healthy and for the room to empty out during the round so that when the round's over it's not everybody is huddled around a table a lot of people are just going out and taking a walk and getting outside so that the the heat would get off and everything, which is pretty cool. So, sweet, sweet. I, I thought I'd invite uh, Felix on on the cast. How's it going, Felix? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? Great, great. So, uh, KYT, this is kind of a yeah, hi, Felix. But this is kind of a, a jerk thing to do, KYT. Why? Why? Oh, it's just like we're gonna let Jeremy talk about his dredge play and how he got on the top <laughs> eight of a PPTQ. And then we're just going to bring a sicko in who's playing the same deck who just happens to win all of his tournaments. It's kind of like the, the, the worst person to like lead off this conversation. Like you're just going to like straight up upstage. With you, know, you know, what's funny. What's funny is when, when we started the show and we're like, I, I completely blank. Cause I didn't know which deck you were playing um, at the PPTQ and you're like top eight with dredge. I'm like, like you know what my reaction was? Oh, this is perfect. They could just like seg perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can just absolutely upstage Jeremy. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about the other angle, but like I, I tried to check 
the um try to go on the Sam Blacklist, but I think it's blocked by the the premium paywall that I no longer uh, subscribe to. Uh, have you seen Felix's list? Do you know if you're playing something similar? Uh, it's a little bit different. Uh, Felix is definitely uh, going one direction. And uh, the list that I've been playing and the list that the Star City Games one is off of is the guy who won the WMCQ in New Zealand. So he made just a couple little tweaks in his sideboard. Although Felix's tie sideboard is definitely not standard. This is definitely, he's been doing some work. But he seems to be a master. So let's actually talk to him and not talk about him in front of him, which is super uncomfortable. He's won. Okay, let's keep talking. Let's keep doing it. Um, <laughs> he's won three face-to-face games opens. Um, wow. In second. And there's not that many. Like, we host one every month. Um, so actually, no, in Toronto, they get, they get once one a month as well. But we host one uh, around the country once a month. So to win three and to finish second. Uh, mostly with Dredge, and then uh, obviously in January he won with Scapeshift, continuing a run from last year where he was killing it as well on the Mana Deprived uh, Super Series uh, circuit. Uh, Felix, Matt, this Dredge deck, is it, is it your creation? Um, well, I, I think a lot of us kind of around the world work on it for, for I mean, not, not working collectively, but kind of working on some sort of Dredge um, archetype for the last couple of months. But I think uh, someone else really found the shell of his list. And uh, I think it's Li Shitian, maybe a month ago, he posted something um, uh, on, is it MTG Minkai? I think that's the, the website. And, uh, and then I think that that list makes a lot of sense. And I think most of the list right now is kind of, a, kind of like a, uh, a variation of, of that list. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it actually predates a little bit before that, Felix. Uh, I remember seeing that list around the same time as the mox finals uh at the mox finals they were definitely playing more of the at the mox itself the guys were playing more of the dredgevine style strategy but this list was still playing around on mtgo a little bit around the same time but it's definitely been like picking up steam and picking up steam and taking down events uh the first person that i saw really take down a above average event was you with it and then uh, we saw the WMCQ thing going on. We've been seeing it uh, do some results on Magic Online. Uh, I had been playing it for about a month myself now. Uh, this version, I'm more of a long-term uh, Dredgevine player personally, but uh, I had to switch over because Conflagrate's just way too good a card. Yeah, that's true. I think the first big breakthrough, I'll say, is that able to able to... I don't want to say it's a trap, but do not play Vengevine. Because I've been working on the Vengevine list for the longest time, and I just couldn't get it to work. And I think the Breakthrough was able to let go, to let go of the Vengevines. And, and I think this version is a little more, um, more consistent. I think yeah. the Vengevine version, if you, have the, if you have a great hand, it's extremely explosive. But yes. I think this version is more consistent in doing what you want to be doing. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And I like that you're not playing the gimmicky uh, explosive version of this deck that we saw kind of lead off, I guess, with a little bit more of like the success and online. And that was with the Rally the Peasants or whatever card, I think it's called, or Rally, ra- yeah, Rally the Peasants. Um, I thought that that was cute. Uh, I played around with it a little bit, but it's not needed. It's it's kind of over the top. Like the thing is with Rally the Peasants, uh, <laughs> You don't really increase your clock by that much. And, no, you don't. And and the deck already have a 
doesn't have that, that much interaction. So usually people cut maybe one conflagrate or whatever it might be for that for the rally. But against the format, you actually need to some some kind of interaction. And I think conflagrate it's at least helps you to do that. And if you cut that slot and you you mill a rally to present, and it actually doesn't really help you advance your board. So I I think that that card's a little bit of a win more card. Yeah. And, um, and I've seen a lot of version also run uh, like burning inquiries or like a tree corn or uh, or or uh, even goblin lords. Uh, and the the reason I chose Tormented Voice is that like if you play play against this card, you want to have like good um, good enablers. Yeah. And burning inquiries. Let's say if, if they turn one like Inquisition, your let's say your your neonate or 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 your or your Faithless looting. Now all you have is like a burning inquiry that actually doesn't actually do anything. No. Yeah. Whereas if you have a tormented voice, then you at least has a second enabler to to get started. And Shriekhorn is just very, very weak. Sometimes it just mill six and does nothing. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it's sure you're we're not. Ex- as explosive as the uh, the version that runs uh, these type of cards, but I think it's a lot more consistent. Yeah, yeah, I, I still play one burning inquiry because I I just have a hard on for that card. I've had a play set of foils pretty much <laughs> ever since I've been on the A team when I started getting the credit because uh, it was one of my early dredge cards. Um, I've been playing some form of dredge since Pro Tour Return to Ravnica uh, when I first started to dive into modern pretty hard. And uh, I actually started off on Blasting Station and, like, Blasting Station Zombies, and that's where I kind of got my start into the whole dredge thing and have been a dredge. It, it's been in my stable since then. Uh, and I love Burning Inquiry. Uh, at the WMCQ, I had one of those games where Burning Inquiry, I just fired it off, and I mana screwed my opponent. Yeah, and, I, and it's working yeah. great. It's, it's amazing. Uh, but I, it's not. It's, it's terrible. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the... Um, cast it on turn one, discard all your lands and enablers, and be left with a handful of Golgari Grave Trolls and yeah. Archimibas. And it's just like, yes! This is exactly what I wanted out of this card. <laughs> and I, I actually have been testing cards a lot, too. That, that, that enables, enables, uh, enables a lot. I've been testing like various cards, all the cards I've been mentioned. And the final, the final straw that, that, that made me not play uh, any Burning Inquiry is when I did it on Moto and some of this card to Bailoff turn one. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I have enough of this card. It's too high variance. Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh... Yeah, I never tried this uh, Shriekhorn. Uh, just, I don't know. Never really had a love for it. Um, I've seen it a bit, but it just seems like a. Uh, it doesn't do enough. That's, I think that's yeah, it. yeah, it doesn't do enough. And it seems like it's. Uh, since it's not drawing me any cards, I don't like the fact that it's not helping power my my uh, conflagrate because conflagrate is to me conflagrate's the MVP of the deck. Yes, I think it allows the deck to do to interact, which is really really important, yeah. and uh, it lets you to attack through Goyf. Uh, it lets you to kill kill uh, a ooze. Um, so it, it it does a lot of work for the deck. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And another and thing, people was, don't know what the card does yet. Still, still, so, people don't know what the card is. Exactly. Well, I mean, people are getting quite acquainted to it, and um, maybe and, over there, but not over here yet. <laughs> <laughs> Alberta still keeps going. What does that card do? 
So, and, uh, and, and that's actually a great enabler. Like sometimes, um, I believe there's a one game that I, in this weekend, like have against John, where I think my hand was um, two dredge card, couple lands, and uh, conflagrate. I, I really wanted them to six, and I kept it because I knew if they have to fire off a first turn discard, there's nothing good that they can take. Yes. And, and if they take my conflagrate, then I can use it as, 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 as my enabler. Um, so it's it's what I call a hand that's immune to this card, and knowing that Jun it's quite a like some sort of green black X is such a huge open meta. I uh, that that's just these are kind of little plays that you need to you need to be aware of. Oh, a cans that you can keep uh, that uh, against certain archetype. And honestly, I think Dredge some of the most skill intensive part is knowing when to mulligan, when to not to mulligan. Yeah, absolutely, it's it's huge. And the thing I also like about Conflagrate is that. It is perfectly reasonable just to cast it for zero on turn one. Yeah, that, that, that's a very common play as well. Yeah, like you don't get punished because if they try to affinity out on you or anything like that, you are you are locked and loaded for turn two. Yeah, like you <laughs> you are ready to punish them. So, uh, yeah, tell tell us about your tournament. Like, what what what, what? did you run into? Wow, I was right, Jer. Man, you're asking all. I, I don't think he's upstaging you at all. You're asking all the amazing questions, man. You're killing it. You <laughs> know the stuff. You know your stuff. I've, I've been, I've been stuff. playing this deck like this is. I've been playing Magic, which is great, and I've spent the lion's share of my time playing seventy of seventy-five of his deck. So, <laughs> like. Um, so yeah, the tournament was great, like, but like, just like in every single modern tournament, you're going to face a very uh, diverse feel, yes. and um, I basically faced everything that, that you could name. Um, for, for, I guess, the past two tournaments, I've faced everything that you could, you could, you could name in modern. Um, if there's any interesting game, the most interesting one would be uh, the Mirror that I lost in Swiss, where uh, game two and three, we both lay line and play. So... The game becomes who will draw more uh, blood gas, who yeah. draw more uh, steamy in, and who draw yeah. more landing. <laughs> yeah. So we're just shipping each other for like one life a turn, and and unfortunately I'm on the wrong end of uh of of uh of, of the match, let's just say, and that's my loss for the tournament. But otherwise, it's it's um it's it's a very straightforward you know judge does his own things. I I still think right in the paper world um there's not enough hate for it. And by hate, I really mean by ley line and rest in peace. I think these are the only cards that the deck really fold to. Yes. Stuff like relic, stuff like uh, spell bomb or or cage. You can actually yeah. do with them. Yeah. Cage is my favorite. I love it when my opponent does the the turn one cage. Like I had uh, a dread or a, a jund opponent who mauled aggressively to five, dropped a cage, and I proceeded to beat the crap out of them with eight eight Golgari grave trolls. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, people are so scared that they have to keep aggressively modeling to a hate card. And if the hate card is not rest in peace of ley line, then there's actually a very high chance that you can beat it. And, yeah. And uh, when they uh, when they when they modeling so aggressively, then they're not doing their own thing, and they just sit there with a hate card, and you just play through it. <laughs> yeah. So, are you and Austin familiar with each other? Like, are you guys? Did you work on the deck together, or is it just happened to be that two dredges floated past each other in the night? So Austin was my loss, and I beat him in the final, but we didn't yeah. work together. Uh, so what happened was that when I, I guess in brief conversation, is that yeah. he saw my list from the last, uh, the last open, and yeah. he, he liked it, and he, and he took that shell and made a little bit of change of, it, of his own taste. And, uh, and I guess the deck is so powerful that, that 
that uh, it just plays multiple people to a to a to a great finish. Yeah. So somebody needs to get in touch with him and tell him that Ray of Relevation is a trap, and yeah, a nothing. card doesn't actually do anything. It's only good like, to be against like um I guess I I guess the uh the hex proof deck, you, you, but in, at that, at that point, engineer explosive is just better. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is that rail relevation. Like, I, I don't know what my sideboard. My sideboard is all based around how do I beat the other hate and how do I make my my sideboard diverse enough. Like looking at your sideboard, thoughtsies. Obviously, you're bringing thoughtsies in in any situation where a person has a rest in peace. Uh, that you think they might have rest in peace because you can get rest in peace before they rest in peace you. Um, it's also good against like some of your heavier combo stuff like scape shift, right? Yeah. Fair mm-hmm. to say. Abrupt decay, yep. abrupt decay kills rest in peace. It also has a typo there. It should be ancient grudge. Oh, those uh, ancient grudge. Okay. Fantastic. Cause I, that, that's one of my questions is like, why yeah. no ancient grudge and why abrupt decay and engineered explosives? Because Really, I feel like you should be playing one or the other. I actually do play one Abrupt Decay and two Engineered Explosives, mm-hmm. but uh, it's I, because I, I, want I would to do that too if I, if I have more room, but I have to find some room to play Ley Lines further because I do expect a mirror. Uh, most, most, side, most lists, their sideboard does not have any, any uh, Ley Line. Yeah, because, I, don't, I don't play Ley Line because I never expect to see the mirror. But there's actually a, quite an uptake, especially on, 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 on Magic Online. They're like every league you play, you face at least like one dredge. So yeah, online, it's been very popular. Yeah, and I, I just think that the, with all the popularity, all, all the publicity it's getting from the WMCQ, I yeah. think there is going to be just more dredge in, uh, in, uh, in, in, the, in the metagame. And I just took a call that I need to find some room to, to add some uh, ley lines for the mirror. See, uh-huh. one of the things that like, a spot like Vengeful Pharaoh. Vengeful Pharaoh kind of comes in, he comes out. I, I, you still like to have him in your sideboard? I think the Suicide Suit match was a very, very, very tough because of uh, the Battle Rage. And yeah. uh, this is the card that, that just hoses them. Because See, without the Battle Rage, they can't really kill you. And it, yeah. this card just, just absolutely holds that, uh, to just cover the angles. Yeah. Whereas I, I felt that Engineered Explosives was actually the trick to beat Suicide Zoo. It does, but you have to draw it. Sometimes you don't draw it, and Vengeful Pharaoh, you don't need to draw it. You just need to dredge into it. I um, know, but if you don't draw Engineered Explosives, it means because you're going so crazy and you're going to win anyways. Or at it, least that's how my life is. It may be. Like, <laughs> I, I get turned through a lot by Suicide Sue, so yeah. if they're on the play, and even if you're going crazy, you're not killing them on turn three or turn two, right? And if they're on the play, they can still kill you, kill you on turn three, and it, it happens a lot. And if they on the and that's before you can even flash wreck and gnaw off the bone. So it's just having like a safe a safety valve uh, yeah. where where if you go crazy in the dredge on your you're on the you're on the draw, then there's no way they can kill you on turn three with like a gigantic death shadow a double strike. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Felix, did you like you said you you face a lot of dredge online, so that's why you put them in in. The sideboard, but were you expecting the same in in real life as well? I see like Peter Schreier put up uh, an article on my site saying that there are only only four copies, but you happen to run in to your finals opponent twice, first in the Swiss and, and then in the elimination rounds. Uh, do you see that as still a correct call based on the what the metagame actually turned out to be? I well, it's 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 hard to say because there there has been so much more. Um, uh, I guess. Uh, um, exposure to the deck since WMCQ, uh, okay. uh, because the, the, the I, I forgot his name, but the, someone from New Zealand, I think it's New Zealand, right? That won the WMCQ. 
And also when you have someone like Kanji's caliber playing the deck, these stuff get yeah, get exposed a lot. And I believe uh and, and even in the local metagame where I won the last event, and I'm I'm sure people get yeah, keep uh, updated to what's going on, and I just felt that maybe there's an uptick to it. And we have to realize Dredge is actually one of the cheaper decks to make in, in modern as well. And uh um and that could bring in a factor as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Hmm. It is a harder deck to foil, though. <laughs> like, I've been trying to stick to just face-to-face for getting my foils, and I'm still having a tough time getting my foils. Sorry, bro. Yeah, come on, bro. <laughs> Stop hoarding all the, think, the foils. I think moving forward, Judge is it's continuing to gain popularity, uh, yeah. which is a good, thing, a good thing and a bad thing. The bad thing would be people will be more prepared for it. Um, uh, and the good thing is it's, it's getting more spotlight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you there, and I, I just, I'm, I'm dreading the moment that I have to put Leyline in my deck. Because right now I've been able to get, I, I got all the extra spots. Yes, so, like, if I was not playing Leyline, uh, I would definitely play maybe one more Explosive, or maybe uh, even, like, like you mentioned, have a, a Rough Decay in there. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I just think Dredge is here to stay, and it is, un- and... And something that my friend John mentioned before, like in your sideboard, you're playing Dredge. Every single card needs to be like extremely high impact if you're sideboarding in, and lay- there's nothing more high impact in the mirror than Leyline. Mm. Yeah. And like that, mm. yeah, that's the thing is uh, like the difference between ours is uh, I was down to one Lightning Axe, and I had two Lightning Axe in the sideboard because Lightning Axe would come in versus uh, Scavenging News decks uh, as a way to potentially deal with them. Uh, I also was cutting my Vengeful Pharaoh because I felt like I had ways to deal with the, those other decks because I was running my Abrupt Decays, I was running my Engineered Explosives, I had all those pieces. Uh, one card I was running a one of to actually deal with potentially running into Leyline of the Voids and diversifying my hate against uh, Rest in Pieces, I was running one Nature's Claim. Just the one mono solo Nature's Claim, which was fantastic. It wasn't at a big tournament, but it was still a... Uh, a Friday Night Magic type thing where I ran into a person who's playing like this weird mono black discard deck with a whole bunch of uh, things like uh, Waste Knots and Liliana is something that does damage when people discard cards. But he was running sideboard Leyline of the Voids. And I was able to kill him because I just happened to top deck a freaking Nature's Claim and then go insane. And I just like having the ability to not have to fold to a Leyline of the Void. Yeah, it's perfectly reasonable. I think if if in the future um, the meta game shift where um, or people are getting more prepared for the deck and start running, you know, golf up and late, like getting laid on the voids and rest in peace more in their sideboard, then I think to adapt the deck have to play like nature's claim and stuff like that to to uh, to to combat it. But Would you think- say playing a blue based land also might be what has to happen in that case too? I. I thought about it. Like, if I was going to play a blue baseline, like a Steam fan or something, yeah. uh, then uh, it's, you know, I, I've tried it, but, but the thing is, you're never really winning any games if they land like a lane line and rest in peace anyways, even if you try hard cast or stuff. Like, it, you might win, like, one out of ten of those games. But, yeah. the, the, but the fact that you, you're, you're taking more pain and having one last basic actually really, really matters when they path you or when they ghost quarter you. Um, so... Like, right now, I'm running up one basic forest, which most lists are not running. No, no, I saw that forest, and yeah. you, you cut the mire for the forest. 
Yeah, and uh, and it's actually very relevant because sometimes you have a hand with one green source, and you know they they ghost quarter it, and you don't have a second green source to to um to to cast loam, and it actually puts it back into a very bad position to to grind out those win. And uh, but if I was ever going to play a steam fan, I would I would cut the forest for it. But I just don't think. Yeah. Having that steam vent actually helps when you, you when you're getting rest in peace or or lay line. It's I think ten percent is already like way too much of a percentage that overestimate that that, that you can win that game if they do land one of these hate cards. I think it's more like lower than five percent. Yeah. See, so, yeah, whereas I, again, I'm thinking of it that I have. I'm thinking more from the mindset that I have that one nature's claim, and what it's doing is the the blue isn't helping me win the game. The blue's helping me not lose the game as fast to maybe give me a chance to get to my nature's claim. But even from there, then you still have to start the engine at that point, and geez, that's really hard to do. Because you're, you're all out of gas by that point. Yeah, so like, like and, and, the, and the thing is that I think right now in modern, because how diverse the feel is, there's not many decks that can afford to run like Lane Out of the Void. Like, very, very few decks can run it. Yeah. So at most, like the decks that could run the other uh, are Rest in Peace, uh, the white decks. But that card can be dealt with with Foxes or or uh, Erupt Decay or or Engineer Explosive that we yeah. have in, in our in our deck. Yeah. So why make our mana base a little bit worse and more painful with with uh, with a blue line? Nope, you're good. You're right. Yeah, I like it. But if I like people it. start playing Leyline, then I guess we we're forced to adapt. <laughs> yeah. Don't play Leyline, people. <laughs> Leyline of the you Void mean, is not a card. Keep playing, keep playing, uh, Grafdigger's Cage, so that I can just beat you with proper dredging. Hmm. Have you picked up anything uh, that you're going to change for your next tournament, uh, Jer? Jer or Felix? Jer, Jer. Uh, so yeah, uh, Felix. One thing I, I played in a PPTQ this weekend wasn't a you know face to face thing, but at the PPTQ. Um, we were talking a little bit about Vengevine and Dredgevine, and one of the things I like to, for Dredgevine is actually Haunted Dead, and I might give the deck a, a couple spins with Haunted Dead from the new set. Mm -hmm. uh, just because one of the areas where I feel really weak with that deck is uh, my blue-green infect matchup is terrible, and blue-green infect's pretty big out here. I don't know how it is over there. So I do like the fact that I have the way to get a flyer into play, which is nice for those types of decks. Also helps, again, with Affinity. Uh, I always find with Affinity, every time you hit a Narc Amoeba, you get to high-five yourself in the mirror, because a 1-1 Flyer actually poses a lot of problems for those decks. So I really like Haunted Dead to get the engine started again. I find it better than something like Rotting Rats, and it makes me able to stay in Jund colors and not have to play blue to get the scab and stuff like that. So really want to try out Haunted Dead. But the card I actually did run in this Dredge-style deck was I had mentioned I was running only one Lightning Axe. I had actually cut it and left the two in my sideboard, and I brought Collective Brutality in for the, the tournament. And I don't know if you've looked at that card. Yeah, that's the one that we're one and one black, right? Where one and one black, yeah. They can discard it. So the three modes are minus two, minus two, minus two drain two life, and, uh, and a duress, correct? Well, it's or, not full duress. If it was full duress, that card would be an easy, like, two or three of in the deck. It's uh, instant or sorcery. Yeah, uh, the card's very good. It's, it's yeah. just... Like black mana is actually very hard sometimes to get, and uh, and the, the difference between two mana and one mana it's it's not insignificant, and the inability to actually kill um, a ooze that might be a three three it's it's also relevant as well. Um, 
And also, the, 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 not that the card is not good, I actually look at the card and think, hey, maybe this is, this is a potential in it. Because yeah. the mold is, every single mold is good for this deck. Yeah, yeah. I, the thing that I like about it is that it's, it's really good against really bad matchups, and that it's never dead. Like, that's what I was saying with the guys, is that you can always do the duress and drain life to discard a card. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, definitely one of the modes that that's going to be used. Like, the train is actually rel- very relevant. So, like, your bird matchup or, or, um, or just to, like, raise certain decks and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, um, but I, I think the biggest draw is just really the two mana versus one mana. Sometimes yeah. able to turn one Lapa Axe and discard something to start your dredging, it's, it's can make and break your game, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, Lightning Axe is better against Scavenging News. Um, a scenario I had, because, you know, you always tell the saw it good versus whether or not it's actually good. Uh, I was mentioning a situation to them. Uh, playing against game three against a Jund opponent. Jund opponent on turn three casts Scavenging News and is forced to eat a conflagrate from my yard because he has to get rid of conflagrate or I just blow his scavenger news to pieces. So that's a turn where I get to collect a brutality, kill a scavenger news, steal a Colgan command from his hand, and drain life off of him, discarding a, a grave troll and a stinkweed imp, getting my dredge engine back uh, in full swing. And it's just like the ultimate, all of these things made my life so much better. Yeah, I, I definitely think the card has a potential, and yeah. I, I think the only real weakness that I, that I mentioned is just like yeah, the black. it's quite a black mana, and, and, and uh, it's two mana. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll stop him that. I think the, the card is very good. Yeah. Um, the only trouble is the deck has so limited room that you can play around with, um, where, like, what are you going to cut for it? Maybe, maybe a lot of the axe slots maybe should be cut for it, but... Yeah. I think I, that stuff is like further. It it needs more games, more data. You know, in order for us to really uh, to give a concrete answer. Yeah, exactly. Like it performed well for me. Uh, I saw it a few times. Uh, I don't think I would play more than one. I think it's just a one of miser type of trick is where it's at. But I also don't like to play more than one of lava uh, lightning axe in my deck. So that's that's the other side to it. So uh, I'm not doing the main deck dark blast. I, I see the value in it, but I've just kind of gotten away from that personally. So, yeah, the dark quest is really more so to replace the fourth loan that you don't really need. But sometimes, yeah, that dark quest might have certain value, and uh, and uh, I, I think the deck does need 12, 12 uh, dredgers, uh, some combination of them, and and, and I'm not including the uh, the land the land dredgers, so like twelve actual dredgers. So. The auto four of the other imps and, and, and the troll, and maybe two to three copies of, of Lightning Loam. And, um, but you still need to have, get to at least 12 dredgers. And I think Dark Wax kind of uh, fill that, fill that, fill that role, fill that void. Yeah. Wow. Well, you guys uh, really put up. This is like the, the definitive dredge primer podcast. <laughs> KYT is trying to tell us to stop talking about dredge. Yeah. Uh, good job, Jeff. <laughs> Um, Felix asked me if uh, GP champion, GP Toronto champion, Toronto can, uh, John Rowe can come by and, and stop by and say hi. How's it going, John? Good. Felix just needs his training wheels. <laughs> yeah, he, he has, uh, he's, he, he's my wingman. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a quick question for John is, it's because John, I think John, you were the first one to talk up Felix in front of me, uh, many years ago saying that he, he was the real deal or something, something along those lines. I don't know. Uh, remember your exact words, or maybe I'm totally misremembering and it's the other way around, but uh, he's now crushed three opens and finished second another one. 
Do you think it's because Toronto Modern sucks or Felix is really that good? <laughs> um, it's funny. Uh, Felix has an old quote that has made him sort of infamous in the Ottawa Magic community because cause he's, he's from Ottawa originally. But uh, there, there was a time when uh, Felix was winning every PTQ back when there were actually PTQs. Um, and he, I think it was after qualifying for Worlds or Nats or something to that effect, and he said, uh, well, you got to help me out with this, Felix. So, something about being the big fish in a really small pond? No, it was like, I think they, it, it was um, Brian, is it Brian David Marshall? Yeah, I think that, that's him. He was coming okay. to do coverage for uh, one of the Canadian Nats. And when you top eight, they give you an interview and seeing, you know, like how, who do you test with, how do you prepare for the event and, and stuff like that. And I think at that time, my youthful self, I wasn't extremely politically correct. <laughs> I mentioned somewhere in the line of uh, there is a, a, a shallow pool of talent in Ottawa. Which, and, uh, and in, in was, fairness, I think uh, that was true at the time. Um, but, like, to answer your question, KYT, Felix has been, like, good at Magic for a very, very long time. Like, he was, he was on the Pro Tour very consistently back, like, 10, 12 years ago, even. Like, we're talking Onslaught, Mirrodin, um, and, 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 uh, I, I, geez, and, and Champions of, and Kamigawa as well. But what happened after that period of time is, like, Felix was sort of the, the, the big fish and there was like a, a wave that came in underneath them and I was I was lucky enough to be one of those guys. Um I was only just starting to play Sanction Magic. Um right at towards like the beginning of Mirrodin. And uh like just in becoming friends uh with Felix, you know, there there was a number of us right around that time that um we just just by getting in games with for me anyway, with a person that was better than I was at Magic at the time. Um, I know Dan Lanthier was just starting around that time as well uh, to play competitive magic, and and the scene really grew up. And then of course Felix went away. So, <laughs> but uh, getting you know, and later Felix and I were roommates, um, and we were we would just jam games uh, like forty, fifty hours a week, uh, and it was no surprise, you know, or actually it was no coincidence that you know. It was that same year that I got my breakout performance and and uh, and won GP Toronto. So, you know, it it, it wasn't a coincidence that uh, Felix's tutelage, my sensei, uh, <laughs> he's, he's too modest on it. <laughs> but you I, I think upstaged him first, though. Yeah. You upstaged him first with the GP win. Well, right. yeah, he still has to notch that one in his belt. <laughs> I actually need first get a top eight. My God, that that it's it's getting harder and harder these days. Oh, man, Jared, Jared, lay it on him. <laughs> yeah, I got one of those. I got a top eight. Not with Dredge. Not with Dredge, though. I, I once made a call to John saying that, like, um, I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys recall the article that was done by someone maybe, um, uh, maybe a year ago or so. And I, I was, after reading it, I was like, man, like, you know, you know, there's a quote in like the mathematic worlds where if you don't find some sort of like a breakthrough before you're before you're 30, you're not going to. And I was like, this is the same thing as magic, and I just crossed the 30 line, and I'm not going to break through anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't believe that. Because I, I, I honestly feel your 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 mental capacity um, does decline 
uh, as as age goes. Ah, uh, that's bullshit, Felix. Stop saying that to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Excuses. Give me a second here. Give me a second here. We're gonna do a little bit of tap, 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 click, 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 click. When Jeremy types, it sounds like he has his tongue sticking out. Like I can just picture him sticking. I <laughs> uh, I do mouth breathe when I type. Fuck. Yeah. So that's that's something. What's this? Is there a date? Yeah, I was thirty. Oh, you're looking up. <laughs> when you top eight. Was 30 when top eight. It's still possible. See, oh, see Felix, the dream is alive. There you the go. Dream is alive, Felix. Sure. <laughs> Hopefully that will happen soon. <laughs> do it, buddy. Do it. Well, we've got GP uh, GP Montreal next weekend, man. That's uh, that's your shot. Yeah, that's my shot. Are are are, are you going to be playing as well, KIT? Oh, um, it's gonna be tough. Probably not, because Oshiaga. Is there and my, um, my girlfriend? And I got tickets to to see. Uh, she really loves Lana Del Rey, so gonna be checking that out. Um, but I'll be I'll be around. I'll be around for sure. Come on, can do it. I mean, it's it's like everything just comes to block me. But uh, John, I'm interested. You say like the the Ottawa talent has gone uh, maybe less shallow, but to to me at this point, and I think a lot of people has made the same comment in. Uh, on the Montreal scene is that a lot of people that are still good right now are the same people that uh, we've seen from five years ago. And we haven't seen that much new blood. And, and I don't know if you, ha- you play enough in the Ottawa scene to know, because now like we see Dan doing really well, but it's like, he's one of the people that I know. Yeah, it's the same people. Yeah. It's the same people, right? I don't know. I think that, I, I think that problem is, is in two parts. Number one, um, like, we just happened to be the generation that that grew up when what I think was the golden sort of age of competitive magic, where you had um, like we were growing up in our early twenties when GPs were like booming in attendance, right? They they they, you know, prior to um, like 2010, 2011, GPs would be what like I'm guessing 600, 700 person attendance. And like right around that time, they started they started like breaching that thousand cap. I like because I remember it was like Philadelphia 2010 or um, somewhere around there where I first recall they're like they add a tenth round at the end of day one, right? Which was just unheard of. So like there there was a there was a there was a there was a boom in in like the population of people playing Magic, but there was also like it it was just the the group of us, the group of essentially kids that grew up playing Magic, all sort of hit their maturity. Like, we were all in university. We were all just leaving university. We could do, you know, nine-hour, like, road trip drives. Um, and we were just kind of exploring our inner degenerates. <laughs> and um, so, like, hmm. okay. I, I, think, I think that it's a matter of, like, the, the time. And then I think the second part is that, like, organized play, I, I, personally, I don't think that the, the, the way it's set up now is, like, super inducive to bringing up talent. It's really hard to qualify for the Pro Tour now. Like, really, really hard. Whereas with us, like, it, you know, when they had still had PTQs and smaller GPs, um, like, it was... And, and and everyone in the top eight, you know, got cues and all that stuff. 
it was it was easy. I don't want to say easier, but you could get that spike, and you could get on the pro tour, and you could get that experience, and that would like ignite your fire, you know. Um, whereas now it's it's really hard. Like you have to go through this 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 series of grinders and the PPTQs, and you have to like spike these GPs that are just like tremendously outrageous in population. Like you got two thousand person GPs. Um, it, it like there's just so many more barriers to bringing that that new generation in and giving them a taste of uh, like of success at the at the highest levels. Um, yeah. I think the, the the counter to that though that at least I've seen in my community is that our experienced veteran players are spending the time going through the BS of the PPTQ system, <laughs> and they're doing it with the newer players and they're dragging them along. And while the newer players are not getting the taste that you describe, uh, the other part to it is that they at least are seeing these experienced players who've gone through it and been there at the highest level. They have them there to mentor them. And I've seen spots where certain players don't do that. Like, you will not find Sean McLaren working with Friday Night Magic players. It's hard enough to get him to get out of his house in the first place. Uh, KYT literally had to bring a tournament to town that was paying out 5k in order to get him out of his house. Like he just doesn't leave. And, and, uh, and I think part of that falls on us. Like I, yeah. I, I think, I think we should be better stewards of the next generation, but at the yeah. same time, I think we are in, in effect a little bit jaded at the way that the system is sort of, you know, tossed us around a little bit that's my personal opinion i don't think it's true for everyone but no and it's funny because we're starting to see some success uh alberta has been a funny place because edmonton and calgary rivalry was always been a real (laughs) thing it's it's real thing in every aspect that you can have an edmonton calgary rivalry and when it came to magic there was a team of players uh the tyler blooms robert smith uh francis toussaint those guys who've been around the scene and seen some stuff and then in Edmonton, you had the uh, Marcel Zafra, Doug Potter, uh, that kind of group of guys. And it's always been that Constructed has been Calgary's standing point. And it's starting to shift a little bit more back to Edmonton. And I think one of it is, is that we're seeing the Edmonton players are bringing more of the new blood in. They're including the new blood. And I think the new blood combined with the old blood is really starting to put up some results. Like we see uh, Bosu, he's a member of this new Edmonton team that's come together and they've got some really green players amongst them. And they're just trying to build the entire community. So our, our pro tour players play Friday night magic. <laughs> and I think that's awesome. Like frankly, it's amazing. I, yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing to build up talent. Like if you want to, if you're a good player who needs more people in your stable, that's where you're going to find them. Yeah. You don't want to find them there. Like who likes to play for packs? Nope. Nope. I, I, I will play a Friday Night Magic and I'll walk away from Friday Night Magic. I'll forget to get my prizes. Mm-hmm. I will just straight up leave without getting my prizes because who likes to play for packs? <laughs> and part yeah, of that is our age. Oh, sorry, go Jay. No, I was just going to say that reminds me that I have to right now text the other Jeremy to pick up our packs from fucking <laughs> the <free-release. laughs> because we definitely didn't do that. And right now, sitting on my desk is like, 10 packs of Shadows Over Innistrad from the pre-release. 10 packs of Magic Origins pre-release. Um, yeah. Fucking Just... sweet packs. Look at all these packs I'm never gonna fucking open. Cool. 
Just to on that topic, I, I do think that the Toronto scene has a lot of uh, um, up-and-coming players. I think largely due to, due to the part that uh, uh, Lucas Tia has been taking a lot of players under his wings. So player like Omar, um, Daniel Fournier, uh, you know, all these guys have a GP topic under their name. Brian Liu has, has won a GP. Um, I, I do think there are new bloods coming in for the Canadian scene. Uh, it's just, uh, they just need, I guess, more of a breakout. I mean, these guys are at the prime age of, of succeeding. Like, they are in the early 20s. <laughs> <laughs> the before 30. I mean, they have, they have the time. They have the time. They have the time to commit to it. That's the thing. Like, they are they're in the early 20s or mid-20s where um, I, I think the biggest resource is your time. And, and, and uh, yeah, I think these guys are, are, are potentially be um, the next wave of uh, great Canadian players. Hmm. And and possibly yeah, like the, the I think the age isn't so much a matter of like, you know, it's 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 not a it's not a frame of mind. I think it's more like a it, it's a reality of your of your personal life. Like there's only so much. Like I know when you know back in 2010 or whatever when when I was living you know with Felix and uh, we were playing you know 50 hours of Magic a week or whatever, and I was reading every single article that was being printed on Star City or Channel Fireball. And just, I was soaking it all in, right? Now, you know, and, and that was when I was like 23, 24. Now I'm 29. I've got a mortgage. I'm married. I've got a nine to five type job. And it's just like, I don't, I, I can't. I, I physically can't devote the hours and the time that I, that I used to be able to, um, to, to magic. And, and, and maybe that's what you're referring to, Felix, as far as like, you know, 30 is like the, the cutoff. Because at some point, real life responsibilities start to catch up it sucks but you know i mean does it suck though <laughs> it like, sucks that we don't have infinite hours every day but well, yeah i mean it sucks that i don't have infinite money too but yeah at the also, end of the day like i much prefer my house and my wife <laughs> and my friends and my good regular person job and my fucking money in my pocket and not these <laughs> magic cards that are all over my house. Like, you know, I mean, it always sucks when you grow up. It's like, yeah. you know, one of the one of the most, like, the, like I don't know if you guys watch The Office very much. I've been watching The Office, like, fucking back and, like, over and over again for the last, like, year because there's nothing else on TV. But uh, Andy Bernard says he's, like, a big fucking goof on this show. And he says one of the most profound things of any movie, TV show, book, philosophy I've ever heard in my life. He's talking about how the show is coming to an end because then the office, just for those that don't watch it, it's about like a documentary crew that follows people around in an office. So the show is actually ending. And he says, he's talking about all these times that they had that were fun. He says, I wish there was a way to know that you were in the gold old days while you were in them, before you grew up and you remembered the good old days. And it's so true. You know, you, you think back to all these times that were great. You think back to all this stuff and, you, and it's, and it's, you don't, you didn't realize this is like, 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 like you didn't realize that was the last PTQ you were going to play. Maybe you didn't realize that was the last time you were going to drive across the country to go to a GP in Montreal. Uh, Cause you grew up and it'd be really nice to know all that stuff. But at the same time, Looking back at that stuff, you know, it shouldn't necessarily only be sad. Like, you, sh- you should still be happy that you can still play Magic or talk to people about Magic or that you even had the chance to play Magic and that now that you, 
you know, maybe you've made friendships from that going forward. Maybe you've gotten job opportunities going forward. Maybe you've learned something. Like, I know a lot of people that play Magic, you know, when they started young, Magic taught a lot of people how to read properly. I mean, a lot of those people don't know how to pronounce the words like Garuk and Progenite <laughs> and Forced Fruit Station. But, you know, I mean, it taught them a lot of words that you normally don't get. You know, you, I know a lot of people that don't play Magic anymore. But their best friends, their wives, their husbands, their, you know, that all came from magic. Their too. best man at their wedding. That's right. That's yeah, right. You know? <laughs> we were back in, in Kamloops talking to my in-laws this weekend. And they were like, how's that KYT guy doing? How's that KYT? Yeah. How the hell did I show up to your wedding? And I was like, KYT's doing great. There's some spoiler alert stuff I can't talk about on the cast right now. What's going on? And he's just doing good. And they're like, oh, yeah, is he, still, is he still doing the show? I was like, yeah, he's still doing the show. <laughs> you know, and he says, you know, but he's doing good. He's doing good. And they're like, and then Megan's like, yeah, he, uh, he's got, we're going to have to go visit him soon. We're still going to have to go visit him. <laughs> and they're like, why? And they're like, well, he came and visited us. We got to repay the favor. Got to go out there. <laughs> that never happened before. You know, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I think that is crazy. A guy, I go to a guy I podcasted with. I go to his wedding. I think I've never. Like, we don't even know fucking know each other that well. No, I mean like, when you're when you when it comes down to it, no, we really don't. <laughs> right. But I talk to you way more than some people. Uh, like some of my physical, I guess, like close to my friends. real friends. Yeah. Real friends. <laughs> no, and I've said that before too. Is I get I'll get bummed out sometimes because I have all these. It's it's like. Uh, there's, there must be, I'm sure the Germans have a word for it. They have a word for everything. But there must be something where you are, you have a lot of stuff that makes you happy, but you cannot access it, and that makes you sad. That concept makes sense. So I have tons of friends and friends all over the place. Um, and it's really nice to be loved and have lots of friends, like people that I can actually call a friend, uh, you know, in Toronto, Montreal, all over the states, like like I have I have friends that I have had really good conversations with that live in like New Zealand and and Australia that I've never met. But you know what sucks is like when I have nothing to do or when I'm sitting around and I'm being introspective and I think of something and then I start to think about all these friends that I might never get to meet or these friends that I never get to hang out with and they're doing something super cool like last. Last month or last week or whatever, KYT, weren't you tweeting about going out with Scott and like hanging yeah, out with yeah. Jason and like Martin? And yeah. it's like, you know what? Like, I got to spend what, like all of five fucking minutes with Martin in, in Toronto? Right. You know? And I like really like him. I really wanted to hang out with that guy. You know, I only got to see Maddie really at dinner. And me and Maddie just have a blast every time we're together. You know, but how often do I get to see that guy? He's got kids and a wife and a job, and so do I. And ah, <laughs> um, uh, I'll have one last thought on the original topic before I throw. Uh, we wrap this up with uh, Jay's uh, sh- shit story. And um, famous. Um, uh, my shit story. My my last thought on the whole thing was like when I started, I was a better stewardess because I had more time five years ago when I started Mad Deprived. But at that time when you know, you talk to some of the top players. All the top players love, I guess it's it's like this for every game, love to discuss who the top 10 players of the country might be or have that little debate, just like uh, all those sports debate shows. But I feel like, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to hopefully see 
some some new blood added to that list. I think the top ten or top twenty five from that list from five years ago, if I were to survey all the top players, just seems to be the same top guys. It's still Alexander Hain, it's still Sean McLaren, it's still Jacob Wilson. So I'm hoping to see that next guy that I've never heard of before. Even the guys Felix and mentioned are, are people that I've known about for five years, like from the community, where it'd be Omar, Brian Liu, and all these other guys. I've known these guys for a while, but I'm excited to see like this guy just like um, completely break out. Because when I saw, when I first met Alex, well, I first met Alex during his chess years, but later on, I just knew that he would be the next one based on his, um, I guess, natural talent, whether it be in chess or, or something that I saw, I thought that he'd be in the next big thing. And I'm just excited to hopefully see who that person is. Um, I like Bozu. I've heard that he's in secretly one of the best players in Alberta, according to Doug. So, oh, Bo- Bozu a- is a he's a pillar. Yeah, he is. Right. He really is. So he's not a new guy. Oh no, goodness, he's, no, he's Bozu, been around forever. Bozu is also right. like one of the greatest people that you could know. Like he, when you find out personal stuff about him, like once you know, like go when you go when you do the VH1 behind the magic on uh, on Bosu, <laughs> he's like a fucking amazing person so you can't really like it he's, just he's an amazing person but he's also an amazing troll yeah no that's what makes a great person like he's not just a saint he's like medina he's like a sinner and a saint you know <laughs> do you ever watch one of those games between two really strong magic players and one magic player brain turns to like mush and they yeah. play worse than like a green uh yeah you're like, sky you're like- What's he doing? And somehow Bosu has just like been a magician. Like that's what happened. I watched him play Scape Shift against the Affinity guy who beat me, and the Affinity guy who beat me was like losing cards while having this uh, a, a, a holy crap a Spellskite in play. And it's like, okay, well I'll play this land and kill this thing, and Spellskite doesn't activate. And then Spellskite guy looks down, and he's like, oh my god. And then Spellskite guy goes like. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll activate my Inkmoth Nexus and I'll attack, or I'll go to attack with all my guys. And Bosu's just like, okay, well, I guess I'll just tap everything down. And like every mistake that the Affinity player could make, and this guy's been playing so much Affinity, and he's like an Affinity master. It just he went to mush playing against Bosu because Bosu is a true magician. Like I, I watched, I watched the game get punted more than a CFL game. <laughs> because Bosu was the opponent, it's, it's just something That's he can do. I think we need to we need a new uh, Mark Anderson line. Maybe KYT can facilitate that. <laughs> oh yeah, see that's 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 a big thing. Yeah, I, I just wish that I think right now if I were to do one, it would be a lot of the same people that I knew five years ago when I was uh, trying to get all these uh, pro players uh, or good players of the country to get together. Obviously, a lot of them have retired since, like or semi-retired, like David Kaplan, etc. But still the same players. And uh, if you're one of those new aspiring players that are listening to the show, like uh, maybe Xavier Allegrucci, I'm talking to you. I'm hoping to see that new blood breakout. So hoping to see that uh, that someone breaks through in that top 25 list. Everybody keeps all the top players always have these discussions with each other with. And I, I'm, I'm there listening to them because I'm always curious, of course. Um, Jay, shit story. <laughs> Sweet. All right. And uh, shit. And first of all, thanks to our guests for coming on, obviously. Um, if you guys are going to stay, this is like a rare time when you guys get to hear a live shit story because that has never happened. I've never told one of the guests on the show, I think. Um, this is a gift for Sir Bunny. 
Uh, Sir Bunny, I owe you a shit story, and I appreciate everything that you do for us and the cast, and me especially. So, uh, here is... This shit story is fucking hilarious. All right. <laughs> this is from a girl. Uh, now, in our day and age, maybe that's not so shocking. But this, I just, I just had to read this one. It's from a pregnant lady. <clears throat> I'm three days away from my due date, and I'm in Ikea by myself. I happen to be just about the farthest away from the bathroom as you can possibly be, when suddenly, without any warning whatsoever, I have to take a shit. And it's like a right now shit. Like, I had to shit yesterday, and I hadn't shit all day, and I was on a road trip shit. Suddenly, I have to take a shit so bad. I break into a cold sweat. I clench my fucking asshole, and I turn to make it for the bathroom. But I get exactly two steps when I suddenly shit myself. Yeah, I shit myself in the fucking Ikea. I fucking shit myself. What the fuck? I had no warning. <laughs> you know how sometimes, like, diarrhea, it can come on, like, as a surprise? You're like, hey, how's it going? Oh, shit. And then it's, like, maybe, like, a little shart, and you just, you just fuck. Yeah, this was... The same thing as that, except for that it was just like a regular shit. <laughs> just a big human turd. Again, what the fuck? Nobody ever said anything about giant surprise shit that come exploding out of your ass with exactly seven seconds notice. Is this like a pregnancy thing? Has anyone out there ever had like a, like a regular turd just fly out of their ass? Like they got evicted? Guess what? I'm wearing... Thin maxi dress. I'm wearing regular panties. Uh, the little maxi dress and the panty are basically full of shit. Panties that I'm praying will hold the said shit in until I get to the bathroom. Which, of course, is like on the other side of the store. Which, of course, that means I have to walk through the fucking maze that is Ikea. If you've never been to Ikea, or if it's been a while. They, like, design the store, and it has, like, you're like a rat in the maze. And you have to find the exit. And to do that, you have to pick up a stupid piece of paper and write down a whole bunch of dumb names like Flurgan Tube. And you can't just write down the blue shelf. You have to write down, I want the blue Flurgan Tube. To get out of there. Thank God for small favors that I am wearing granny panties due to my enormous pregnant girth. I waddle into the bathroom, and as far as I can tell, no shit has come out of my panties on the way there. I get into the bathroom, and it's a bit busy. There's only one stall open, and of course, it's in the middle of the row. Fine. Fine. Rush in there, sit down. I lift up my legs one at a time to get the panties off without the people in the next stall seeing them under the divider. Get my panties off, I roll them up in a ball, I cover them with a bunch of toilet paper, and I shove them into the used tampon holder. Ugh. Around this time, I hear a little girl say, Mommy, it smells like poo in here! Fucking great! So now, I. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I have shit all over my ass and, and vaginal area because it spread and it got mooshed around when I waddled across the store. And here I am in this tiny stall with my big ass and my giant stomach. I'm trying to use every, every inch of this very thin, almost see-through, like what I would call half-ply toilet paper that Ikea provides to wipe my ass with. And it's, it's sticky. It's the goddamn stickiest nest of all time. Forget front to back. It's too... <laughs> it's too late for that. I can barely reach back there because my stomach is so goddamn big. 
And I'm trying to contort myself in this tiny stall, but I really, really need to take care of this. And it gets worse. It gets so much worse. Sweet Jesus. It had spread so far and wide that I ended up with shit all over my hands and my forearms. Every time I reach back there and try to clean something, I end up with it on my forearm or my hand or somehow on my elbow. I'm not even kidding. So I start gagging because there's shit all over me and the smell is so bad. And I've been, oh, my, and I'm like, you're pregnant and your stomach is so sensitive. It's just, God damn it. I had a puke bag in my purse because that's how sensitive my nose has been. And I frantically grab at it and end up losing lunch over and over and over. So much so that my stomach is now hurting. Every time I have to bring the bag to my face, I get to see and smell my shit-covered hands and forearms, which makes me gag even more into a bag full of puke, which is also making me fucking gag. So after about five minutes of gag, I get it back in. I try to finish wiping, but by this time, it's all dry, including the stuff on my arms and hands. So I devised a plan. I wrap my arms and hands in toilet paper, and I shove them into my purse. Thank God I brought the big one. Then I waited for about a good 40 minutes until there was a lull in the bathroom traffic. I put my hands and arms in the purse because I was terrified someone would walk in as I was headed out for the wink. So I waddled as fast as I could to the sink, tore off the toilet paper, and washed my hands and forearms as fast as I could. The second I had to poop off, someone came in. It was like a Michael Bay movie. You couldn't have timed it any better. Whew! Made it in the nick of time. Then I wet a whole bunch of paper towels, headed to the big stall, cleaned up a bit more properly, and I headed straight home, got in the shower, and hosed myself off like a giant hippopotamus. I, I'm still pretty traumatized by this. Uh, writing it has been pretty cathartic, so I'm glad that you got to read it. <laughs> I'm not ever going to leave the house again, I think. I don't think I'll ever leave the house. <laughs> also, is this fucking normal? You just shit yourself with absolutely no warning when you're pregnant? I'm fucking mortified. And I told my husband, if he ever tries to get a dick near me again, I'll cut it off. Fuck! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> ah, 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 oh. oh, that's so fucking good. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, and that's why we will never be taken seriously. <laughs> I am one of the upcomers of magic, as you Yeah. Yeah. The hard hitting journalism. I can just see Rich Hagen sitting down with Jay Bush. <laughs> well, I've got a story for you, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> and much like John Rowe in the chat, it'll be Dear God. <laughs> yeah, did your uh, did your wife ever have an IKEA maze shit experience? No. That's no. good. Fuck. <laughs> Okay. Well, thanks for hanging on. If you hung out this long to the end, everybody, thanks for sticking it out for two eighty nine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Jay's back. We're, I'm back. Yeah, at least for a little bit. Um. Yeah, two eighty nine. Pretty bitch. Yeah. Thank you so much, Felix. Thank and you, thanks, John, for uh, stopping by. Your insights on. I loved it. I actually didn't have any theory about the why the new school might be doing less good than than our generation. But uh, you know, I never thought about the things that you you mentioned. So that was cool. Glad to uh, assist in your learning process, Car. <laughs> and obviously, extra shout outs to my man Jeremy for being such a boss at uh, at Dredge. I'm not a super boss. I'm not you know Felix boss. 
<laughs> I'd like to be Felix Boss. Sometimes you just get lucky and run hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, and uh, if you made it past the shit story, we'll see you in episode <laughs> two nine zero. Catch you all later. Love you all. How about you start us off, Jay? 289. 289, holy fuck. Alright, 289. What am I gonna say? Let it go. You're back. You're back, bitch, or whatever. <laughs> it's Britney, it's bitch. <laughs> okay. Just whenever I'm ready? Yep, yep. Good, good. How does Britney Spears talk to look? It's Britney, bitch. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs>